God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. But respect to whom respect is owed. Honour to whom honour is owed. So reads God's word for us uh, this morning. Uh, Let us pray, uh, shall we, as we come to consider it. Heavenly Father, we do pray this morning now that... Uh, As uh, we look at your word, Lord, as we seek to put ourselves under your word and learn from it, uh, that you will feed our hearts, our minds, uh, our souls, uh, the Lord, that you would be at work in the midst of uh, your people, equipping us, strengthening us uh, to live for King Jesus uh, in uh, this world that you've called us uh, to live in. Lord, we pray even in this hour uh, that we might be strengthened and that you might be glorified in the midst of your church. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. 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 Uh, Well, this morning we're considering to, uh, continuing rather, to to, to think through some of the areas of theology that we need to to help us to know how to respond biblically uh, to the current situation that we're facing Uh, Last week, if you were with us, we thought about the the hell-defeating assembly the Lord Jesus Christ is building. Uh, And why gathering as church to worship the living God through his son, our great high priest, is something that is an essential part of life. What we were made for and the way in which God blesses his people. Uh, We said last week that we cannot not assemble and think it won't do us great harm. Assembling is what church is. Well, this morning I want us to move on and to consider the issue of authority. We're not assembled this morning as uh, we normally would be. Not using the means that God has given to to bless us this morning. Why? Uh, Well, primarily because the the civil authorities, our government, uh, have for the uh, four weeks uh, made it illegal to gather for worship. In person. Now, I, I certainly don't think that they've uh, done that to, to persecute the church in any way. And um, we, this morning, as we said last week, we should be thankful that we can tune in online. And um, we should be praying that God will bless uh, this uh, time to us. But did our government have the authority uh, to do this? Or, or was it a misuse of their power? Is it something that we should obey the government in? Or is this a time, indeed, is there ever a time when it is right to disobey the authorities? We know, don't we, that uh, certainly for a time, many of our liberties have been taken away over the last year. Was that within our government's right? They've ordered us to wear face masks, to stay at home, apart from a, a limited set of reasons. 
why would anyone have the right, the authority, uh, to do that to other people? Are we to do whatever our government commands? Uh, does our government not only have the power to do these things, clearly it does have the power, but do they have the authority to do what they've done? Uh, and if so, what is the basis? On what basis do they claim that authority? We could cross over the Atlantic, couldn't we? And uh, the outcome of what's been a, a stormy election means that over probably the next four years, half of Americans uh, will be saying, not my president, to Mr. Biden. In, in the same way that the other half of Americans have spent the last four years saying, not my president, about Mr. Trump. People may not like the idea of authority, but authorities are a fact of life. They play a huge role in our lives. Let's just think of, uh, first asking, what do we mean when we speak of authority? Authority is the right of one person or, or a body to act in power upon or, or to enforce others in some way. The right of one person or body to act in, in force upon others in some way. The right to command. And should the commands not be obeyed, uh, the right to legitimately deliver a sanction, a punishment for non-compliance. Uh, so just think, a father can order a child not to steal uh, his sister's food. And if the child disobeys and maybe takes the biscuit, regardless of what dad has said... Dad can rightly discipline the child. Why? Well, because Dad's got authority in that situation. To have authority is to have the right to act in force. Not just the power to compel people to do something that you want. Just think, a, a thug has the power to command, to coerce, don't they? And yet they don't have the right. It's not legitimate that they use that force. But we need to be clear that authority is coercive. It is a force, an enforcement. It's not a suggestion, is it, or, or, or mere advice. Oh, you could think about doing things this way. Oh, I suggest this. No, no, by definition, authority is coercive. A right to rule, to command, and consequences, punishment for disobedient, uh, maybe reward for obedience. Now, as we think of a government who, who have made it, uh, for whatever reasons, illegal to gather to worship God, we must think biblically about our civil authorities and our duty to them. What does the Bible teach us about this area of authority? Three things this morning, and the first point really is the, is the main point I want us to grasp. It is this, God has absolute authority... There is no authority except that it, that authority is from God. God has absolute authority and there is no authority apart from that which comes from God. That's what Paul says in Romans 13. There is no authority except from God. If there's one thing the Bible takes from, for granted from start to, uh, to, to end, it is God's authority. Not only is God's, God's power absolute, he is almighty, but his authority as our creator and our owner is also absolute. God can legitimately command us. 
He legitimately rules over his creation with all power and he has that right to do so. His purposes will come to pass because, because he's all powerful. But also his creatures should do as he commands because he has a right to require of us what accords with his goodness, with his nature, with who he is. God says, and he commands, be holy. Why? Well, he says, because I am holy. God's authority over us it, it is the basis for, for all objective right and wrong, isn't it? For morality itself comes from God's authority over us. We can only say that we, uh, not just uh, it's a good idea to do something, but we ought to do something. Because it's grounded in the rightful authority of God, our creator and ruler. The very concept of, of sin is about the defiance of creatures against our creator's authority, his right to rule. God creates man in his own image, men, male and female. He has authority to command and to order them. He says, doesn't he, in Genesis, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion. That's not a suggestion from God. Our creator has the right to command. It's not a misuse of power. And, and God commands humanity to, to, to rule over his creation, doesn't he, in that uh, creation uh, account. He, he delegates some of his authority over animals and plants and land and sea. He delegates it to, uh, to, to the man he's made. It is a gift that's given, a granting of authority to humanity by the God to whom all authority belongs. Just think, why are humans to rule over animals? Was it that Adam was quicker than any of the other animals off the block to realise, oh, it's going to be in my interests if I'm the, the ruler? Or maybe was there a vote amongst the animals? Well, no. Adam was given authority by the God who has all absolute authority. God has authority over all that he's created and God delegates some of that authority to those that he has made in his image. Just as God sovereignly, absolutely has the right to compel every atom of his creation, so God delegates some authority to Adam. But Adam is only ever a vice regent, a, a, a delegate, a, a, a deputy. Adam has no authority of his own. His role is simply to ensure that God's authority is upheld over creation. God doesn't give Adam authority to do whatever he wants, does he? Ultimately, the creation, it, it still belongs to God. He is the rightful owner and ruler. God's giving in that sense isn't uh, like uh, you might give somebody a jumper for their birthday. Just think you give somebody a jumper uh, for a birthday present and they could wear it maybe as you intended or they could throw it away or, or they could give it to somebody else uh, or they could even undo it and make a pair of socks out of it. No, no, God delegates his authority. He continues to possess all authority and yet he gives authority to Adam in the way a parent 
may delegate some authority to a child. Uh, maybe mum wants a, a younger son to, to come inside because it's time for his bed. And so mum deputises an older sister. Uh, go outside, tell your brother, mum says it's time to go to bed. Sure some of the children have uh, been in that situation. But the older sister has no legitimate authority herself, does she? It, it's not, hey kid brother, I want you to go to bed. It's not up to her when her brother goes to bed. Mum deputises the older sister, gives her authority to make that announcement in line with what mum desires. And that's what human authority, all human government, is like. All authority is God's and he bestows it on others. If we fail to see that, we won't know how to live in this world of ours. There is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Those authorities that exist have been instituted by God. God has established different spheres or areas of authority that his image bearers uh, are to uh, order themselves in. He's done that to ensure his authority is inspected and his rule is carried out. God has set up uh, different spheres, areas of authority. Before the fall in uh, Genesis uh, 2, God ordains the family as a, as a sphere where each man and woman are to, to carry out that dominion, that, that rule that God has called humanity to in general. A, a man leaves the authority of his parents... He's united to a woman and they form a new social unit in which he's given authority to carry out God's rule. The man has that authority, that responsibility to God for his family. After the fall, God institutes two further forms of authority, of, of government. Civil authority, or, or what we might call the, the state today, and religious authorities are, are what we refer to as the church. Two different, two distinct spheres, areas of authority. Civil authorities have mainly to do with making men and women good subjects. Ensuring upright citizens can live in safety and security and in peace. Church authorities have mainly to do with making men and women good saints. Saving souls through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Two authorities, both given by God, but importantly not two competing authorities. That is a mistake that's been made throughout history. The church trying to take on uh, powers of the state and it, it has disastrous consequences. The state, the civil authorities trying to take the authority of the church, again equally disastrous effects. Now we're going to think about that relationship between this church and state next week. But here's what I want us to grasp this morning. Any legitimate authority has been bestowed, given by God, who has all authority. It is one thing to say, isn't it, that the civil authorities govern separately from the church, that the church isn't to take to itself the authority that God has given to the state, 
But it is another thing entirely to say the state is separate from God. That's a, that's a pagan idea. The state, as much as the church, has been instituted by God. Their authority is delegated to them from where? From God. Whether they recognise God's authority or not. Any authority our rulers have is theirs only as it's delegated them from God. Now, I think we need to pause uh, for a moment because uh, we're taught, aren't we, that our leaders rule by the will of the people. Because we've all heard that uh, phrase. Our rulers rule by the will of the people. They're not just uh, who rules is determined by the people, but also that their authority uh, comes from the, the, the people over whom they rule. Whatever the majority want is, is where a government, where uh, our rulers get their authority from. That's a, that, that way of thinking is a product of the, the, the Enlightenment in the 18th century. That the government's authority comes up to it from below, from the people. Now, certainly we want to say that democracy, a democracy like ours, it determines who governs. But democracy in and of itself doesn't entail where our ruler's authority comes from. So just think, if the majority of people elect the government because they want them to make laws to permit the, the, the killing of, of, of thousands of unborn children, does the government really have the right the authority to pass laws that would do that. If authority ultimately comes from the people, then the answer could only be yes to that question. But that is a modern idea. That is a, an idea that's barely 150 years old. Prior to then, the Christian view that authority comes down from and is given by God, that was the unquestioned uh, understanding throughout civilization. Even pagan empires understood that the king or the emperor's authority, it, it came down to them from the gods. Often the king, the emperor, would be seen, wouldn't he, as in some way divine. A, a god ruling amongst them with authority. In our own country still today, our British constitution uh, still states that our queen, she rules by divine authority. Uh, and then her government in act uh, out that rule. Uh, but the Enlightenment questioned divine authority. Man, the individual, the sole measure of all things. Authority derived from individual people. There is no God. Man uh, became a divine, capable, ready to determine his own fate, his own destiny. And God was relegated just to a, a, a personal choice of some. Oh, you can have your God. But in no way is it to have any authority, no right to say uh, what our society might do. Instead of being rightly seen as being delegated down to us by God, authority today is seen as something that comes up to a government, up to rulers, from the people. We give them the authority to rule. Paul says, no, no, that's not true. There is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. God alone has absolute authority over all things. It, it, authority is, is something that is his alone to bestow. The authority of those who 
governors comes from God. Second point, and the points get shorter as we go on. Second point, there is no authority except from God. Therefore, we must submit to those who rule over us. That is Paul's reasoning here in, in, in Romans 13, isn't it? Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. Why are we to obey human authority of whatever kind? We're to obey for God's sake. He has given them the authority. That is true of all human authorities, whether they realise it or not. If Peter can say in, in 1 Peter 2, of a pagan Roman emperor, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor, as supreme, or to governors. Peter can say that of a, of a, of a dodgy, wicked Roman emperor. Well, that's certainly true of the, U, the UK government, isn't it? No kings, no senates, no prime ministers, no presidents, no emperors who have authority apart from that which is given by God. Whether it's in a Christian nation or, or not. Whether the, uh, the, the ruler themselves, a Christian or atheist or Buddhist or Muslim. The institution of civil authority over society to keep peace, to protect, to enact judgment is by God's hand. As Adam and Eve are banished from the garden in Genesis 3. Remember God delegates cherubim with a, with a flaming sword to stand at the, the, the eastern gate. To prevent man's access to the tree of life. That is the, the first delegated authority. The first delegated power to restrain human evil and to protect humanity from harm. In Deuteronomy 1, that passage we read, judges are appointed to judge righteously between a man and his brother. Why? Why does it need to be righteous? Well, because the judgment, we're told, is God's judgment. God's appointed them, so resist them, and we resist God. But, but more than saying that God has appointed this kind of authority, uh, civil authorities to rule over us in this life. Paul in, in Romans 13 is, is saying it's not just this institution of governing civil authorities. It is every king. It is every ruler, every emperor, every prime minister, every president, president no matter how good or bad, no matter how godly or wicked, no matter how ignorant or, or oppressive, they have been appointed by God. They are God's ministers. And so they must be obeyed. Paul's not saying that all authorities are godly. But he is saying that God has placed them there. Providentially, sovereignly, no rulers outside of God's rule. He raises up both good and wicked leaders. There is no authority except from God. Those that exist have been instituted by God. Nebuchadnezzar, Herod, Nero, Hitler, Pol Pot, Mugabe, 
They couldn't have ruled for two moments without God having given them authority to rule. God uses wicked rulers. He uses them to chasten, to judge people. Just think, we see that throughout the Bible, don't we? God's people, they stray from him. And what does he do? He, as a way of, of judging them, he, he gives them corrupt leaders. Rulers who misuse and abuse their authority. Leaders who are incompetent and incorrigible. When those who rule over us have little concern for the people that they have authority over. When rulers commit such hideous crimes that are a complete disgrace to, the, to their calling. And their image as servants or ministers of God appointed to praise God and to punish evil. When, when that's almost invisible and can be barely be made out. Well what then? What are we to do when civil authorities are immoral or incompetent? When civil authorities are given by God to promote life and lawfulness. What are we to do when they despise God and they harm people? Still, says Paul, we're to be in subjection to them. Yes, it's true, isn't it? In a, in a democracy, we can vote for someone else. We can engage to seek to improve things. We're to do that. We should engage with, with lesser authorities, our MPs who've been uh, put in place to restrain the willfulness of any government. In the UK, our MPs are, are appointed to, to hold government to account. They've been given that authority, deputised by God, as it were, to restrain folly and wickedness of the ultimate civil rulers. That's their responsibility. It's what God will hold them accountable for, whether they know it or not. We should certainly make use of our representatives. But what we can do is say, oh, not my prime minister, not my president. They've been established by God. When civil leaders command things that take away our liberties, order us uh, to do things that will make it far, far harder for, for our children or our children's children than it's ever been for us. Friends, still, we must be subject to authorities because we cannot resist them without resisting God. Paul, Paul refers here to civil authorities, as, as servants, as ministers of God. He says one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. Paul's saying, look, don't obey ruling authorities simply because they can slap you down with a thousand pound fine for visiting an aged parent or, or not wearing a mask. No, he says obey them because in obeying them you are obeying God. Since no ruler has power, has authority, apart from that which God has given to them. Civil authorities, they cannot be resisted without God being resisted too at the same time. Show contempt for the, the civil authority and you show contempt for God. Now that is, it's all relatively straightforward, isn't it? When our rulers see the good of those that they rule over. To protect peace and to promote life. But friend, wicked and evil or just incompetent rulers, they don't have their authority by mistake. Theirs is legitimate authority 
given by God. In the book of Isaiah, uh, God says, I will make boys their princes and infants shall rule over them. Uh, the unequipped, the incompetent to rule, to have authority as a judgment from God. The utterly wicked king, the totally incompetent government. If they are our leaders, they are servants of God, his ministers for justice and judgment. And we're to be subject to them as much as we would be subject to the wisest and the most loving of rulers. Friends, this morning in our current situation, we might think that, you know, I don't think personally that the, that the science backs up wearing masks. I think the government has overstepped their sphere of authority as they've commanded us not to see loved ones or, or who we can have in our house or, or when we're allowed out and to do what. Friend, all of that might be true. It may be the laws our government have enforced in response to this virus, whether they've intended or not, will lead to all kinds of ruin, financial, social, health. Perhaps in God's judgment, he has delegated his authority for that purpose. And yet still, Paul says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. There is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. Well, finally and briefly, here's our last point. There is no authority except from God, and therefore at times we must disobey our civil authorities. Now that seems, doesn't it, to totally contradict what I've uh, just been saying for the last ten minutes. But we must grasp this. If God has absolute authority so that there is no authority except from him, then it's clear, isn't it, that our subjection to civil authorities must never ever lead us away from obedience to God who has all authority. From uh, being subject to God, whom all our uh, leaders, our rulers, are subject to. The Lord our God is King of Kings. When He has opened His mouth, when He's commanded us uh, on doing something, then He alone must be heard above and before all lesser authorities that He has given authority to. Someone said how absurd it would be that in satisfying men, subjecting ourselves to, 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 to human authorities, how absurd it would be that in satisfying men you should incur the displeasure of him for whose sake you obey men themselves. The point is, Paul says, submit to governing authorities, not simply because they can legitimately punish us if we don't obey but because their authority has been given them by God. But if they use their authority to coerce us to do something that we know God forbids, or forbid us to do something that we know God commands, then that reason to obey human authority, it evaporates. If the government, who are only ever God's deputies, servants, ministers, if they order anything against the one who has given them their authority... We not only can, but we must disobey them. 
Just think, when, when Daniel disobeyed uh, King Darius, when he was ordered not to pray for 30 days to any god or any man apart from Darius himself, after he was rescued from the lions, Daniel denies that he's committed any offence against the king. Daniel chapter 6, verse 21, Daniel says after coming out of the den, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me. Why? Because I was found blameless before him, before God. And then Daniel says this, and also, before you, O king, I have done no harm. In forbidding what God commanded Darius, not only exceeded the limits of his authority and did wrong against men, he lifted his hand against God and nullified his authority. And time again, time and again in Scripture, God's people are, are, are condemned by God because they've been too loyal to kings who have been wayward and leading them from God. Jeroboam, he makes two golden calves. He says, worship the Lord uh, through these calves. No need uh, to go and gather in Jerusalem where God has said. And the people forsake the temple and they, uh, they, they, they subject themselves to all kinds of superstition. God hasn't given over his authority to any government for them to do as they please. When we must disobey uh, civil authorities to subject ourselves to God's absolute authority, we can be sure that our rulers, they, they will respond with displeasure. We, we can expect the full weight of their punishment to fall on us. And yet still we must obey God rather than man. There are times when precisely because there is no authority except from God, that we as Christians must disobey those who rule over us, who for whatever reason, even with the best intentions, call us to forsake God's absolute authority. Now, let's just close with some reflections for our present situation. God hasn't said, has he, that we're not to wear masks, so we wear masks as our authorities instruct us. God commands that I love my neighbour as myself. He's told us what that looks like and we, we all need to work out uh, that in our daily lives. Any government legislation mustn't stop me obeying God in loving my neighbour as myself. Not only in word but also in action. But the greatest commandment Jesus tells us is that I must love the Lord my God with all my heart and mind and strength. That is what I was made for. God has told us what that looks like. It's to be worked out in all of our lives. We don't get to decide, do we, what loving God looks like. God's given us those means to use, to, to live with him as our Lord. Uh, to, to hear and to submit to his word. To cry out to him in prayer. To receive the sacraments. God has commanded one day in seven as holy to him. God calls his people to, to assemble the first day of every week to worship him. Is that just good advice that may help us, encourage and strengthen us? Or is it the word of the one who has absolute authority? God has absolute authority. There, there's no authority except from him. 
Therefore, we must submit to those God has established as his servants over us. But because there is no authority except by God, from God, when rulers call us to ignore his authority, they speak with no authority. And we can, we must at times obey God rather than men. Friends, there will be times, maybe now as our government has, uh, has made it illegal to gather for worship, there must be times, perhaps this is such a time, when as Christians we are called to disobey those who govern us. All of us, we will certainly pray as we seek to be subject to those God has placed in authority over us. We must pray that we'll be ready to submit firstly to our God's absolute authority over us and over all that he's created. Amen.